Welcome to another episode of Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Baltimore, Maryland, specifically Catonsville, Maryland. He is one Eric Taft. Eric is a producer, he's an engineer, and he's a songwriter. He works closely with both regional and local artists, helping them develop their sound and their writing style. He's also worked with national artists such as Under Oath, The Amity Affliction, Plain White Tees, and Less Than Jake. Eric currently operates the Buzz Lounge Recording Studio in Baltimore, and if there are any musicians out there that are looking to cut records, I'm going to be sure to drop a link to Buzz Lounge in the show notes. In addition to studio work, Eric has also spent time as an educator, teaching classes and concepts in recording technology, both privately and in schools. Currently, Eric plays in a number of bands, but most notably plays guitar and sings in the Great Heights Band who is currently signed to Rad Pop Records, another label you should check out. The Great Heights Band released their latest record, Cabin Fever, in April of 2020, promptly followed by their new single, Bully with a Bat, which is a protest song written and released specifically to raise funds for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. For our conversation today, we are going to be talking about Less Than Jake and their album entitled Anthem. Let's welcome our guest to the program, Eric, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Matt, thank you so much for having me. Man, it sounds really good when you when you put it all together and say it like that. Your voice uh, is so good. Make me sound awesome. <laughs> hey, man, you are awesome, Ed. We are going to be talking about one phenomenal record by a band titled Less Than Jake. Yeah, I'm so stoked. So I, I'm going to... Have you heard, Had you heard this record before we started talking about it? I have. It had been, I have to admit it, it had been several years since I really took the time to dissect it, but mm, yeah. I, you know, it, I, I love the track Plastic Cup Politics, and I don't know if that's, you know, ne- you know, necessarily like a fan favorite, but it seems to be a bit of a deeper track kind of towards the tail end of the album. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, they play it live, I think at every show I've seen them at this point, I've probably seen them around 20 times. And I think they, they've played it every time since that record came out, at least that I've seen. That's Almost awesome. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. When I listen to this record, I think of it as it seems like it, it's a really, you know, a really solid touch point for the band that you're involved with, with Neil. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of the influence, you know, from Anthem, which is really super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool because that, that record is the first time where I really like remember taking notice of, how a record sounds. Cause I, so I had, I'd been a fan of less than Jake. Um, I first got into them with, they had a record called hello rock view that came out in 1998 and it was, it sounds great, but it's still definitely like, you know, ska punk kind of a little rough around the edges. I mean, it's, it's a polished sounding record, but it's, it's definitely, you know, it sounds like a punk band. Um, so when Anthem came out, it's the first, like, it kind of, you know, turned me into, cause I was really into like punk and ska and stuff like that throughout high school. Um, and so 
this record kind of turned me into a bit of a snob in regards to like production and how records sound, especially like coming from the punk world. It's like, man, Anthem sounds so good. You know, they had the big budget producer, big label budget, big budget, big name mixer. Like it's just kind of like they pulled out all the stops to make the record. And and so definitely, I definitely took notice and started to listen to like the production of albums in a way that I had never done before, which is really kind of, for me is like a big turning point. Cause that's what I do now, you know? Yeah. You mentioned big name producers and big, big name mixers that were involved in this record. And the name that stood out for me when I was going back through the liner notes was Rob Cavallo. Totally. And his, his involvement with green day on reprise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he, you know, has done every, or he's had a hand in every like really big green day record, starting with dookie. Um, and yeah, so that it's awesome that, you know, they had the opportunity. They were on Sire Records at this time. So it was a big, big label um, and just like a good opportunity for them to put out just, or no, this was Warner Brothers, I think, right? Well, yeah, I, Sire, oh, I think it's was Sire. a sub, yeah, subsidiary. Yeah. 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 Yes, Great label. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like so many bands that are either part of Sire or part of Warner's have a tremendous amount of creative control with what they want to do yeah. as a band. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just cool. Cause uh, you know, ska is such a niche thing, especially, you know, 2003 when this record came out, it's, you know, the nineties are over third wave ska is like not as big as it was. It's not being played on the radio and shit. Um, so it's just cool that for a band like less than Jake to have this major label, uh, opportunity, you know, it's really cool. And it just, I, I just know that this label there, this record cast such a wide net in regards to like who was able to listen to the band, who had access to listening to it and all that kind of stuff. So they definitely got quite a few fans from just this record. Friends, we're talking to Eric Taft here on cover to cover with Matt Targa. We're getting into the weeds about less than Jake's 2003 record titled Anthem. And uh, Anthem incidentally spawned a couple of major singles. I think there were a total of three. There was uh, She's Gonna Break Soon, Mm -hmm. which which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, The Signs of Selling Yourself Short, which spent a couple of weeks, you know, in the billboard top 40. And then um, the other one was the brightest bulb has burned out. So interesting. Cause I, I never thought of that. That song doesn't have a video, you know, it's doesn't, uh, I guess they put out a single cause they did a version with Billy Bragg and maybe they put out a single for that. But yeah. Um, I remember hearing the signs of selling yourself short in like Hollister one time, like going in, with like a friend who was super into Hollister or whatever. And hearing that song, it's like, that's just wild, you know, like, cause I was a punk kid in high school. And then you go into like the preppiest store and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? It's awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really appealing, resonating with more and more audiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to ask you here from the top, Eric, what, what inspired you to choose this record? Was it, um, was it from the production point of view? Uh, did, did you come about the band, you know, on your own? Did you have a group of friends that kind of discovered the band as a whole at the same time? And that's kind of what forced you to gravitate to this album. Um, how did that begin for you? Yeah. So, um, I had, I had a friend who was telling me about less than Jake and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool never took the time to like actually listen to them. And then I was playing uh, Tony Hawk's pro skater four, which had all my best friends or metalheads from that hello rock view record on it. And 
<clears throat> from that, I went out and bought Hella Rockview and their record called Losing Streak and got into like, you know, that was probably, when did that game come out? That was probably like 2001, two maybe that I heard those songs. Um, and then, <clears throat> so I was um, following them for a very little bit and then they did the rollout for Anthem and that's when I kind of like started to follow it as a, follow them as like a true fan. It's got like, I, there's like a whole backstory and why I'm like super into less than Jake and stuff. Let's hear it. All right, cool. Well, buckle up. Um, so when I was in middle school, my brother was super into AFI. You familiar with that band? Yes. To the point where, you know, he was like buying all their vinyl, buying all their rare merch, signed up for the fan. They have a fan club called the despair faction. He signed up for that, got all the exclusive stuff. And like my brother and I always had such a have had such a huge connection over our music tastes. And that's how a big part of how we bond. Um, so I saw that and I was like, that's so cool. Like I want to have a thing where I can really deep dive into a band's catalog and like really nerd out, own all the stuff. It was like just such a, such a cool thing. And um, so I stumbled onto less than Jake around that time. And, you know, loved losing streak and hello rock view cover to cover pun and incredibly intended and like was just uh i was like this is this is the kind of band i can do that with right so that's really why i'm super into that band and then following that that record came out right on we are talking with producer and musician eric taft here on cover to cover with mad tarka all things less than Jake. And we're talking about 2003's album entitled Anthem. Um, Eric, can you tell our listeners who may be blissfully unaware of less than Jake, who the players that comprise the band are? Sure. So you've got for a while, they didn't post their last names in their records. It was just Chris, Roger, Vinny, buddy, and Jr. Um, only recently have they started like really going out with their last names, but on this record, it's Krista makes on guitar and vocals, Roger Lima on bass and vocals, uh, Vinny Fiorello on drums. And he writes all the lyrics as well. Um, up until, uh, I guess as of like two years ago, he left the band, but he's, he wrote all their lyrics up until then. Um, buddy Schaub on trombone and J.R. Wazalewski on saxophone was actually his first record with the band. He joined in 2000, I believe. Yeah. This is a bit off topic here, but you mentioned that Vinny was the primary lyricist mm -hmm. for many, for many, many <clears throat> years compared, you know, if you could compare, you know, Anthem to maybe some of the records that less than Jake has released over the past. Oh, I don't know. Like, year or two if they've, they've come out with maybe one or two LPs is has some of the lyrical direction changed compared to what they were up to with Anthem? Um, the only things that they've put out since Vinny left officially have actually been the songs that I've been mixing for them during quarantine. They've been doing a, a series called the lost at home sessions, which is all songs that they're writing and recording separately during quarantine. <clears throat> so, I mean, they're all songs kind of pertaining to quarantine and sitting home and doing nothing and what's going on in the world and that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't think there's enough to go off of, but obviously, you know, it has to be different. It's a different writer. It's a different lyricist, but they've been working, you know, they worked with Vinny for, you know, close to 25 years, 25 years, probably actually. Yeah. It would have been like 26 maybe. So yeah, I mean, 
they're they're working on a record and it's supposed to be coming out soon ish within the year mm-hmm. i think so we'll see yeah okay where does this particular album mm-hmm. anthem fit into the overall band discography as of right now it's this is a it's about in the middle no i think they had uh they had i mean so you know going back to talking about collecting less than jake memorabilia and records like they've put out probably uh close to like 200 just random seven inches records small releases and stuff so their first you know big record is uh their full record is called pezcore um but then they have compilation records where they've compiled songs from seven inches and comps and just different random things so i believe it goes pezcore losing streak hello rock view borders and boundaries anthem is their fifth record then there's a B-sides record following Anthem because they recorded like 25 or 26 songs for Anthem and then put 14 of them on Anthem and then 12 on a B-sides record. So if you count that, that's their sixth. Then In With The Out Crowd is their seventh. And then they did uh, two EPs that they then compiled onto a full record. It's like, it's great. So it's about in the middle of their discography, I would say. And it's a kind of a nice launching off point to like a... Uh, kind of a, a more polished sound a little more refined and that's what i really appreciate about it it's it seems like that that's something that they've kind of held on to in their production style from anthem on oh g and vfla i forgot about that record okay, okay. 2008 you just jogged my memory here i have a couple questions so we're getting Let's hopefully not not <laughs> too off, too off track here you mentioned pezcore and i can't help but immediately think of those little candies that, you know, that come out of a Pez dispenser. Yep. First of all, is Pez spelled P-E-Z like the Pez candies? And uh-huh. does, does the band have like, a, you know, sort of a, a, an affinity, if you will, with yes. collecting those dispensers? They do. Yeah, I know Vinny, their former drummer and lyricist and Roger have a huge thing for Pez, uh, you know, massive collections. And I actually... Through my less than Jake fandom, I probably have, you know, two or 300 Pez dispensers sitting in a box in my storage unit just from a time when I collected Pez. Very, yeah, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fandom right there. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, this additional question that I have here is in regards to the sessions during Anthem. And um, I, I read somewhere that they had cut close to 13 or 14 tracks independent of that release. Yeah. Yeah. They had like, uh, like I said, like maybe 26 songs recorded in over the course of the Anthem sessions. And then 13 or 14 came out on Anthem. And then the other 12 went on to be a record called B is for B sides. That is just it's songs from the Anthem sessions mixed by a different, mixed engineer i think tom Lord algae mixed some of it but i think the rest of it was mixed by someone else that's but, yeah. just insane to my to my own mind to, to have write that, that many songs in the course that, of yeah it's crazy and when you're focusing on a completely different album and you it seems like they had a plan all along to release this well i think completely separate i mean i think they probably recorded all, the great heights band did this with a record we put out in 2018 called rad pop we had probably like 22 songs written and our plan was, it was just such an ambitious plan, but we record and do everything ourselves, you know, at my studio and stuff. Our plan was, 
okay, we're going to record all 22 of them. And then when it comes time to do the record, we'll just pick like the 12 or 13 best. And, you know, you really, you set yourself up for the most success in regards to like, what are the good, the really strong songs that way. But then, you know, (laughs) we're working on it and we hit the 12 song mark of like ones that we've worked on. And I'm like, I kind of feel like this is the record. I kind of think that this is good just because, you know, we're, we're all, we're not, going somewhere to make a record we're not like we're still at home we've still got distractions there's still stuff going on so you know we may take you know we may work on the record in the evenings or on weekends or whatever so it's like it's not the same environment whereas you know a band books a studio and takes three months out of the year to go make the record and like you know just that doesn't you know it it happens it's few and far between when that happens i just don't think records have the budgets anymore as a whole (laughs) chatting here with uh, Eric Taft. He's a producer, he's a songwriter, and we're chatting with him about Lesson Jake's uh, 2003 album, Anthem. Eric, this feels like a nice time to talk about some of your favorite tracks on this record. Where where would you like to begin? Oh, let's see. Um, I have always been a really big fan of track six. It's a song called Motown Never Sounded So Good. Um, it's I've just always really liked the chorus on it. Um, you know, I, I then what's probably my second favorite, you know, Science of Selling Yourself Short, which was their big, I think, most successful single. Best Wishes to Your Black Lung was another one of my favorite songs. Just really like great bouncy chorus, really cool verses, um, great horn line right at the head. It's awesome. So, yeah, I think those are my my top three. Nice. The Science of Selling Yourself Short has a really just – there's a really cool lyric. I could be an expert on codependency and I could write the best book on underage tragedy. Yeah. And I've, and I've been spending my time at the local liquor store and I've been sleeping nightly on my best friend's kitchen floor. Yeah. I, I just love that imagery. Totally. They're great, great lyrics. They're just like, you can picture it and you can picture, you know, you may not picture, you know, I don't know. It's just awesome. It's great, great imagery that you you have something in your head that's distinct for every one of those lines. You know, it's really cool. The uh, the song title itself it can be applied to in so many different ways to yeah anybody. It, it, you could be talking about a band. You could be talking about a friend who's feeling really down on his luck or her mm-hmm. luck. And yeah, yeah, it's very relatable. Yeah, pretty universal. They did a cool thing. Uh, I guess, man, this record is like, so I I picked this record like less because of the, I love the songs and this record always like just musically has a really special place for me, but like, it's more about the time of my life when it came out and like the things that it taught me or the things that it kind of changed the way I listen. And another thing I want to touch on is like the artwork. So the cover is really cool. It's really eye catching really bright, really like exciting looking, but they did something that I've never seen a band do before was they, Vinny, their drummer um, has a really cool eye for just artwork and artistic vision and like making sure that the, the concept matches the vibe of the record. And it's really cool. So what they did for this was they actually sent each track to a different artist and had different artwork made for each song by completely different artists. So there's like, there's like a shepherd fairy one. There's um, let's see, Steve Vance who did the artwork for hello rock view. Um, just like a ton of really awesome artists that all, 
contributed. And so every song actually has like a little card. They did a deluxe version where like it actually came with like a little printout card of each uh, little piece of art. And it's, it's really, really cool. It's very engaging and you can really see, you know, a, every artist's completely different interpretation of every song. It's really cool. That's such a nifty idea. I like that. Yeah. That's but then awesome. again, who's got the money yeah. for it anymore? You know, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> it's a, it's really a DIY world when it comes to cover art and yeah. making, making records and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so Anthem was recorded in new Orleans. Partially. Yeah. They did the drums. Partially? They did the drums in new Orleans. Uh, I believe, I think this is what this is. They did the drums in new Orleans maybe some of the other tracking, but then they moved to a studio that was built out of a house in Malibu, just like a big house. It seemed like they kind of brought shit in to make a studio almost. Um, but yeah, so they did everything else in this like really vibey big ass house on the beach in Malibu, which just seems awesome. It can't go wrong, <laughs> but that, and then like, yeah. so like I said, there was a deluxe edition, right. And it came with a DVD with like this behind the scenes making of, of the record. And, like I'm seeing pictures, I'm seeing videos of the studio and it's like, they're just running cables down a hallway. They're like yelling at each other. Like it's fucking just DIY. But you know, Rob Cavallo who's, did Dookie and American idiot. Like is just, it's, I don't know. It's so inspiring to see, like, it doesn't fucking matter. You're making a record and it's a good record. So like what it looks like, all that shit doesn't matter. You know, it's just, it's about the music and it's about the people making it. So cool. No doubt. Hmm. We're talking with Eric Taft here on cover to cover with Matt Turka, specifically about less than Jake and their record titled Anthem. Less than Jake is a prolific (laughs) core of songwriters. If that's a fair assessment of the group. Yeah. With the amount of recordings that are out there in public domain, whether they're uh, on vinyl records, cassettes, digital tons. Yeah. Yeah. So 2003 was a really big year for the group. Um, they were supporting, I think they were supporting Good Charlotte, Brat and Newfound that, Glory. Maybe. There was a year, I think it was either 2002 or it was 2003 when they did the, um, I think it was the first year Linkin Park did Project Revolution. And so it was like Linkin Park, The Used, Snoop Dogg, and Less Than Jake. And like, I wanted to go to that concert so bad because like, yeah, sure. Hybrid theory. And it's an awesome record, but like I'd never seen less than Jake before. And I was like, honestly about to, it's just, it was such an expensive ticket just to see the opening band play like 20 minutes. So I I just couldn't, couldn't swing it. Not to mention I was like 13. So, (laughs) you know, wasn't going to go to the project revolution. My, I don't think my parents would have had it project revolution. That sounds, sounds suspicious. (laughs) The, de- the demons are going to get you. Exactly. Exactly. I think corn was on it too. It was like literally the weirdest lineup and I'm about to look it up. Um, it was just, yeah, really bizarre. One track that we haven't touched on uh, at this point is she's going to break soon. Mm-hmm. And I was revisiting the video for that song. And you probably know this, but I, what I thought was kind of cool was that uh, the actress who played Rory on the Gilmore Girls yeah, is, is the protagonist. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's, she's the one who's going to break soon. Uh-huh. It always bothered me. They took the horns out of the music video version. 
There's no horns in it. Like they're on the stage and in the video. And I don't know if they're playing when the part happens, but it's definitely not in the mix. Maybe they couldn't fit the horns in her bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) No, that sounds like that sounds like a label thing. Actually, I also think that on the radio version of Science of Selling Yourself Short, I think in the bridge, there's like a sax solo kind of ripping behind what Chris is singing. And I think they cut that out of the radio version, too. It was too ska for the world. Everyone, everyone forgot about Scott and then no one wanted to be reminded about it. Apparently like, fuck. What else would you like to talk about here? I mean, we we've honed in a little bit on artwork and there's, there's a ton, there's a ton of pieces to choose from. Um, or we could talk about something other than the artwork component of things. And that is the fact that for probably, uh, copyright reasons or restrictions, they decided to not put together some cover art for their cover of cheap tricks surrender, which closed yeah, maybe, the album. maybe I think there was art. I remember seeing, hold on actually once. Well, it's not a video interview. I have the vinyl that has the artwork for actually, and I have the seven inch collection. So they did this thing when they put this record out, they did um, a seven inch box set or it wasn't a box set. It's like, they were just rubber band together when I bought them, but like, it's a bunch of seven inches and they're all picture discs and each one has, so there's seven of them, 14 songs total. So two sides per record. And every one is a picture disc uh, of the artwork of that song. Um, so that's, that was like, I think the only way it was released on vinyl at first was just that seven inch set. So I never listened to it on vinyl cause it was so annoying to do, but it's cool. Was it, was that like a fan club exclusive or was that something no, I, that they offered for record store day or no, I mean, I no. bought it at, uh, I bought it at the nine 30 club. I saw them in 2004 with, uh, I want to say it was hidden in plain view and Damone and Alistair. No different. I don't remember hidden in plain view. I think was there. And Alistair, I think was there first time I ever saw less than Jake. And I bought that seven inch set and, uh, yeah, no, it was just a regular merch item. Like I said, they've been great. Like I own a, a less than Jake inflatable firecracker in promotion for this record. They did the, because there's the cover has firecrackers on it. So I have the, the firecracker for that. I have uh, just, yeah, they're crazy with their merch. It's awesome. We're chatting here with producer and musician extraordinaire, Eric Taft. You need to check out Eric's music. You need to check out his studio. Um, What's next here, sir? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, so my brother and I had this kind of like, I wouldn't say it was a rivalry, but it was like, who could be the biggest super fan of like their favorite band. And, um, you know, so this record came out 2003. I was in middle school, right? So when I was in middle school, this is gonna get a little personal for a sec. When I was in middle school, I was in sixth grade. My dad got diagnosed with liver cancer. And, um, so it was kind of a really, like, I, I turned to music a lot to kind of distract me from, you know, the hospital visits and the ups and downs of the health news and stuff like that. Cause it got as a, you know, 11, 12 year old kid, it got really, uh, exhausting. It's just like emotionally really exhausting. And so this record came out 2003 and it was kind of just a really awesome, escape i i got really big into going onto the there's like there was a forum a fan forum for less than jake called less than jack 
And I met, you know, a bunch of people that I still keep in touch with just through that forum, uh, people that I've met up with at shows, people. And it, so there was like this kind of awesome sense of community that I'd found that was really a, a nice escape that really distracted me from, you know, all the stuff I was going through with my dad being super sick and stuff. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like fast forward to I was in eighth grade, uh, you know, my dad ended up passing away from cancer. And, um, like I remember, man, so I sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, it's all right, man. Yeah. Um, I remember like we got the news that he wasn't going to live. And we, my brother and I took like months off of school. We were just like, it could have, they, they gave him, I think they said like a couple weeks and they, so we were like, well, we're not going to school for the next month. We've got to be here. He, he was, he had hospice come into the house and stuff. So we were just at home. And so I remember, man, like sitting next to my dad or like being in the room with him, like <laughs> and being on eBay, like shopping for less than Jake records or like trying to like track down this one pressing of this record or like whatever, just because it was, it was a distraction for me. It was just like such an important thing to like, have when I wasn't going to school, I wasn't seeing my friends. I, you know, had all this shit going on and it was like such a, uh, an amazing escape for me, you know? And, uh, I think my brother, you know, he went through the same thing, like with, with AFI as funny as I think that, I think that less than Jake kind of stands the test of time and ages a little bit better than maybe AFI does, but you know, who's to say, but I mean, yeah, like this, this record really kind of always holds a special place in my heart just for that time in my life. You know, um, they, it's, they put a DVD out around this time called a people's history of less than Jake. And like, I couldn't even make this up. I was literally what, this is maybe morbid. I was literally watching that DVD. The moment my dad died, like the minute I was like in my bedroom watching this DVD. It's just like, it's just cool. This band has been there for me through all that. And it, it, I, like I said, less, less about the music, more about just like, it was like a friend, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've had the opportunity to see less than Jake once mm. at a smaller club. And you really do, you really do get that sense of community mm -hmm. at yeah. their shows people that are in that less than Jack forum are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them yeah, are right like legit still people I, I keep in touch with, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just crazy. And we're all grown up and we all just like, remember, I could, I pretty sure I remember everyone's username from the forums, but we're all Facebook friends and shit. It's just like, yeah. it's really weird. I, and I think that a lot of that has to do with just that it's stemmed from the Scott community. There's a lot of, unity and acceptance and that's just like a lot of the message behind you know especially like two-tone ska but then carried through i think that you know the punk and ska subculture really just kind of uh comes with that that sense of community and it's it's really powerful you know you go to a show and you make friends with people you've never met before and then before you know it they're like lifelongs you know they're ride or dies it's it's awesome it's really cool that's awesome we are talking about Lesson Jake's 2003 record anthem here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. Chatting with Eric Taft, who's a producer, who is a musician. And uh, 
Eric, I'd like to close our conversation, if we can, uh, with a conversation about the album cover itself. Sure. Uh, it's interesting when an artist, you know, puts something together and seems to reference a lyric that's kind of buried within a song. Maybe, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's released as a single. Maybe it's kind of, you know, towards the, the back portion of a record. But um, what kinds of images and, and emotions are kind of conjured up in your mind when you when you look at the album cover maybe any any portions of the liner notes what um what what speaks to you you know strongly yeah i mean the i mean the album cover has you know the the firecrackers and the fireworks and and there's like an explosion going on behind it it's bright it's bright orange and red and there's it's a bright exciting cover um plus their logo that font is so cool and it's like when you look at it really up close on the cd it's like it's textured cool i don't know it just it really caught my eye looking at it when i bought it you know back in 2003 um and then the first track on it welcome to the new south just opens up with this huge just like g chord ringing out and it's like the cleanest and most satisfying crash ring out and hit the chord like that you've ever heard um so i mean that just like kind of summarizes it right there just like right off the top and it just feels so good an anthemic um that's i don't know as far as like imagery i don't know that i always think of that g chord like let's literally if i'm hearing something and i uh that do you ever have like um like reference songs when you try to find out what key something is in or like well then you compare it to another or maybe is that just my brain that does that no i do it too okay cool I so, do it too. yeah so if i'm trying to hear if something is in g i literally think of the first chord of welcome to the new south because it's just like this clean full strummed g chord and that's like my reference <laughs> nice <laughs> i do that with a, a bunch of tom petty songs like i like yeah. I for some reason like his songs in, in d <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, or like or like I if it's it. E, I do Day Tripper. Yeah, just the E on at the top of that oh. riff. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Eric, thank you so very much for spending some time with us today to talk about Less Than Jake and uh, yeah, man, two thousand three album Anthem and how it's been so meaningful to you over the years. And absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. I was thinking about if you don't mind me touching on one more thing. Of course. Um, So I think that they put out a record called in with the out crowd in 2006 that I think they got a lot of shit for, from some of their, from some of the ska fans because there aren't as much horns on it. And this record is, I think they may have also gotten just as much shit just because it's kind of a shift from more of like the straight up third wave ska stuff and more, uh, I guess borders and boundaries is kind of a departure there too, but like, it's it's pretty i mean there are horns on it but it's more it's less of like a ska record and it's more of like a rock record from a band that also happens to have horns and like that was so cool and i think that plays such a big uh you know the great heights band in 2018 put out a record called rad pop and we came up with that name because it's a pretty eclectic sounding record there's not really it was a record where we just wrote what we wanted to write what we were feeling we didn't we weren't trying to fit it into a box or define it with anything. And I think that like a lot of that mentality, I see that here where it's just like, you don't feel obligated to make every song a ska song. You don't feel obligated to put horns in every song just because you don't feel obligated to do X, Y, Z. It's just whatever's best for the song because you're the fucking band and that's what you want to do. So fuck it. That's what we're going to do. And like, that's so, uh, 
and maybe maybe I'm assuming that, but like I I think that that's just really inspiring from a, as an artistic from an artistic standpoint and a songwriter. Like I I don't ever feel obligated to do something just because of an external expectation. I've like if the band wants to do it and everyone's on board, that's within the band that matters. Like yeah, fuck it, let's do it. You yeah. know, going on instinct. <clears throat> Absolutely, and that's I mean if you're not enjoying the music that you're creating, you're not having fun playing it. That kind of defeats the whole purpose for me, at least as someone who makes very little money playing my own original music. (laughs) (laughs) If you take away my fun, I've literally got 19 cents a month. (laughs) Eric, thank you so very much for being here. This was so great to talk about less than Jake and, and Anthem and, um, Hope to catch up with you down the road. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I I have a feeling it's inevitable. We have to at some point, right? Exactly. At whatever point we're allowed to leave and maybe we'll, <laughs> if there's ever shows again, maybe we'll cross paths. <laughs> Our eyes will lock from across the room and we'll be like, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bump elbows or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My special thanks to Eric Taft for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, uh, Google Podcast Manager, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a moment to tell your friends and tell your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore world from cover to cover. <laughs>